The Thriving Over Surviving podcast is for informational and inspirational purposes and not meant to be medical advice. Please consult your physician for any medical issues you may be facing. The opinions expressed by guests and advertisers are their own and not necessarily the opinions of Thriving Over Surviving podcast. I feel like the future is truly bright and companies and organizations are starting to recognize that when they're talking about inclusion in their workforces, it doesn't count unless you include the largest minority group in the world, and that's the disability community. And being able to share that is just truly important. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? Do you have a passion? I mean, I have passions, but I got to say they're like about ice cream and things like that. <laughs> now I am passionate about this podcast and it is bringing me lots of joy. Well, my guest today is passionate about the disability community and becoming an advocate for the rare disease autoimmune world. Her name is Nessa Powell, and she comes to us today talking about her own issues with Addison's disease, which she was diagnosed with in 2013. I'm very interested to learn about this. So um, let's start right off, Anessa, with your diagnosis story. Sure. It was definitely a, a long process. So I was eventually diagnosed in 2013 with Addison's disease, which is also known as primary adrenal insufficiency. And I will tell you, for someone that doesn't have a science background, my life has been completely changed since being diagnosed. But it actually started after the birth of my second child. My first child, actually, I will back up when we're, when we're talking about autoimmune diseases as well. After my first child was born, about 16 months later, I started having symptoms of just fatigue. And it turns out my thyroid was had gone wonky. So hello, the world of having thyroid issues. So that was number one. And then after my second child, my son was born in 2008. I just didn't bounce back like most people normally do after, I mean, I was still in my thirties and I was what I, relatively healthy and, and it was a process of getting back to normal. So with my children being in preschool, it started with them bringing home every single thing and possibly they could pick up at preschool, every germ, and they would share it with mommy. But mommy, me, would not get better quickly. So if it was a cold, it would be a cold that would last for weeks on end. And then it would turn into the flu. They bring home the flu and I would get better because, you know, moms, you have to will yourself to get better so you can take care of the family. And then I would relapse. And it was a, such a, a long process of getting over anything. And my body just didn't seem to fight it off. And through this, there's so many symptoms with Addison's disease that when you look at them separately, they can mean a thousand different things, which when you finally put it all together, it eventually leads to your diagnosis. And it's not easy to get diagnosed with Addison's because it's a rare disease and only one in 100,000 people have it. 
So it turns out I went through a long process of all these random symptoms from stomach issues where I had a colonoscopy, endoscopy, no fatigue, just couldn't figure out why I wasn't just had energy whatsoever to panic attacks. And I've never been one to have those. My pigmentation of my skin started turning very tan and everyone was like, would you go to the beach? And I would get very dark and I started getting dark pigmentation on my gums. And then I had chronic sinus infections that I just could not get over. Eventually that led me at the end of 2012 to have sinus surgery. And sinus surgery actually was a blessing because if I not have, had not have had that surgery, I may not have been diagnosed because what happened after the surgery is my body went into crisis because it could not handle what my body just went under with the surgery itself. So January of 2013, I started coming down with the worst back pain I've ever had in my life, which I now know was because it was my kidneys, my adrenal glands on top of your kidneys called intense pain. And so it started with that. And then it went into flu-like symptoms where I was in the bed and we really thought it was the flu and I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. I couldn't just, I was starting to have major brain fog, which I didn't know what that was at the time either. And my mom actually flew in to help me with the kids because my husband was traveling at the time. And so, you know, she took me to the doctor and the doctor looked at me and she's like, oh, she's dehydrated. We'll give her a pint of fluid and we'll be, she'll be fine. Gave me one bag of fluid. I was not fine. I did not bounce back. Gave me another one. Still not. So they immediately took me to the hospital and my sodium level was at 106. Now, if you're familiar with sodium levels, that's dangerously low. And I was actually in and out of consciousness during, during this whole process. And the ER doctor looked at my mom and she said, we don't know how she's not slipping into a coma right now because she, her body is shutting down. So they admitted me, started running all of these tests. Well, the first test they did was a flu test and it was a positive, but it was a false positive. So they started treating me for the flu. So they hooked me up to the IVs. They gave me the sodium that I needed and slowly started bringing my body back. And I was desperate for sodium and I'll explain why in a minute. And so they treated me and I started to get better and started to start to come around again. So I was in the hospital five days that first time. And then they released me thinking, oh, we've treated her for the flu. We're going to send her on home. And I remember sitting on the edge of the bed before I left and I said, crying. I said, I'm going to be back because they didn't figure this out. I just knew in my heart something was not right. Sure enough, go home. The next day I started having the same symptoms again with the flu-like symptoms, the back pain. And I called the doctor and the doctor said, come into my office. I want to see you right away. And she looked at me and she said, my coloring, she had only seen in one other patient. It was actually a pediatric patient. And that person had Addison's disease. So she goes, I'm going to send you straight back to the hospital. They're going to admit you right away because we're going to get to the bottom of this. And she called them and said, you need to be looking at her kidneys or her adrenal glands because this is what's happening. You messed up the first time. You got to figure this out now. So they admitted me and six days later, after becoming a pincushion for getting my blood drawn every four hours, which was actually the cortisol test that you have to do to determine if you have Addison's, they figured it out. So here I was diagnosed with a rare disease, never even heard of one adrenal glands, didn't know we had those, <laughs> learned pretty quickly. Yeah, you do. And yours don't work anymore. So this is what you have to do. And they said, take your medicine and you're going to be fine. 
Well, when you are diagnosed, you learn very quickly that that's not always the case. Now, with Addison's or with anything that deals with your adrenal glands, your adrenal glands basically produce two different types of hormones. One is cortisol, and most people are familiar with cortisol. That's something that your body produces. Like when you exercise, cortisol is fantastic, and your cortisol dips throughout the day. So I have to take a steroid to mimic that process. Now, when your body is under stress, say for instance, you get sick, your body, your adrenal glands kick in a little bit extra to help you fight off of that. Mine do not do that. So I have to take extra medicine to fight off anything, a cold, uh, the flu, COVID, you name it, we have to add in more. Also, emotional stress is a big piece to that. Uh, emotional stress being anything ranging from you had a major fight, you got into a car accident, and it was trauma. It was very scary. You are going through a divorce. You have a loved one that just passed away suddenly. You have to offset that again with extra medicine because if you don't, your body could go into crisis and it can be quite scary. And then another uh, hormone that we also produce with our adrenal glands is aldosterone. And that regulates our electrolytes and our blood pressure. So we have to take another pill for that to help retain our fluids into our body. I call it my salt pill. So it keeps you not wasting all of your water away, basically. And so for Addis people with Addison's, we crave salt all the time. Like we will, we just love salt. That's just our most favorite thing. <laughs> and we typically have darker pigmentation. So I have this lovely glow year round, which is nice. That's the one good side effect. So that's my long diagnosis story. It was a long road, but finally figured out some answers. And I feel very blessed that I'm one of the few that, that did get answers for all of the symptoms that I was having. Yes. I, I can't imagine having that long road. My diagnosis was very quick. And so that's just wild. I It's very interesting, though, because some of the things that you were mentioning, MS patients also go through that stuff. And so when they die, when they're diagnosing these diseases, right, it, I can understand the difficulty pinning down what um, people are going through. I was talking to a friend this morning and she has MS and lupus. And I'm like, how do you have both of those things? That's just wild to me. So I wanted to ask you with all of that said, and you going through all of this, what has been your proudest accomplishment since that time? My life was forever changed after diagnosis, truly. I was, like I said, I was into this new world of having a rare disease, but I was also in this new world of the hashtag, but you don't look sick, right? So the Spoonie world, the something that I knew nothing about. And I really threw myself into research. I threw myself into finding out what it was like to live this life. You know, I have to take medicine to live. If I don't take my medicine, I do not, I get very, very sick. And then I will not be here anymore. So what does that look like? And it was uh, a lot to process in the beginning. And I'm so thankful for the support of my husband and my family because they were so accepting of that because I finally had a name for all of these feelings. But also through that, I've learned my new calling and my new passion of first, it started out as a patient advocate and a rare disease advocate and just sharing the word of, but you don't look sick. You know, when you meet me, you don't, realize and know that I have a rare disease that, you know, I have to be very mindful of everything that I do because everything that I do can 
you know, especially when we're talking about the spoons, I can get, I can lose some very quickly if I'm not careful. So I have to be very mindful of that. And then now just most recently launching a new business as having all ability recruiting and finding jobs and for people that are disabled. And that's, that's the new passion. So like I said, I, I couldn't pick just one, but it's been a wonderful journey. So how did you get started with that? I mean, that's quite an undertaking. Uh, it's been quite a road. And I will tell you, the pandemic definitely changed things. Uh, not, I know it did for, for a lot of people, but it especially did for our household. So my husband was in corporate America for over 20 years. And with the pandemic, the roles changed. And so... I was speaking locally around Charlotte and through social media pages as a patient advocate and speaker and with various topics. And obviously that changed with the pandemic because everything pivoted to online. And that's just, it's not always easy to be a speaker because your message doesn't always come through the way that you want it to, especially over video. I, I feed off the audience and you can't really do that when you've got no faces and you're doing a recording. So my husband was looking for his next opportunity and I was trying to figure out what exactly, how I wanted to continue this patient advocacy portion of it. And, you know, he was working with recruiters and I was working with recruiters and we just looked at each other one day and we said this past spring actually, and we said, you know what, we can do this. We have very different styles. You know, I come from a different world and he comes from corporate America and the two of us together, we actually are a fantastic team. And so we, I have a passion for the disability community. And so we just looked at each other and said, let's do this. So we started working and created all ability recruiting and our specialties. We are a boutique recruiting firm. So we operate exactly like a recruiting firm. The only difference is that we focus on the disability community. Those are our candidates. And so we represent the candidates to clients and clients reach out to us, companies that want to have a more inclusive environment for hiring people with disabilities. And so wonderful thing about what we do and just makes me so happy every day is that I can be the patient advocate or the candidate advocate and say, you know, HR directors cannot ask based upon the laws in this country of America, exactly the type of disability the person has. Oh. But I can. And I can be the advocate and say, look, I have this amazing candidate who just happens to have X, Y, Z, and they need this certain accommodation. And are you committed to making that happen for them? Because you're going to be sorry if you don't hire this person because they're amazing. So that's the beauty of being able to be this recruiting position is that I still get to have the patient advocacy part of it, but we're also enriching lives for the companies and for our candidates. It must be really fulfilling at the end of the day to really help people in so many different ways. It, it really is. You know, it it's personal and professional. So I don't succeed unless our candidates succeed. And our candidates succeed in so many wonderful ways because they're providing for their families. They're feeling valued. They're a part of a culture that values them. And that, to me, is win-win-win. And, and it just thrills me to no end. It is so wonderful. I you, you must have the biggest heart to do this work because I can't imagine that it's all that easy um, and you're really having to advocate for these people and push for them and, and say, this person is worth it. You know, it's easy because I love what I do. And, it, and like I said, it's, it's a passion 
for our whole family. I mean, my kids are into it now. They'll send, it's funny, they're 16 and 13 and they'll send me TikTok videos of, of you name it. Like, mom, look at this. This is what you're about. This is, you know, so I love that it's spreading and I love, you know, we live here in Charlotte, North Carolina and we're the first of our kind in Charlotte and we're starting to get the word out. And that makes me so happy because, you know, people, unfortunately in the disability community have been so misunderstood over the years and for people to realize their value is beyond exciting. So tell me that, is it local? Are the the people that you're trying to place, are they local to your area? Is it nationwide? What does that look like? So currently we have candidates from all over the country candidates ranging in job skills. We have executive positions, candidates down to junior level. And so we're kind of the matchmaker. So once we get their information, then we reach out to companies that we have contacts with saying, look, I have this candidate. And the companies themselves, you know, we started here in Charlotte just focusing on Charlotte companies because we are in such a great city with so many companies that are actually worldwide. So the one, another great thing about the pandemic is that it's made the world flatter. And when I say that, it's made it more accessible, especially for those that need to work from home. So we have some great opportunities, you know, with the companies that are saying, you know what, we understand the value of being able to work remotely. And we understand you can get your job done and you can do your job well. We just have to give you the opportunity to do so. So to answer your question, we have candidates from all over and we have companies from all over. So, you know, we are not just limiting ourselves to Charlotte. We want to help as far as we can. So everybody out there that's looking for a position and needing something, please, I hope everybody reaches out to Anessa. We're going to post her things on the show notes and in my website. And also we will talk about more how do you connect with her at the end of the show. That is just incredible. I know that people will reach out to you because there is such a need for what you're doing. And I love that you're in this space. So you mentioned that you and your husband are doing this together. How is that going? I can't imagine hanging out with somebody 24 seven like that. <laughs> it's, it's funny. We get that question quite often. And you you know what? If you had asked me when we got married, goodness, 18 years ago, I'd be like, are you crazy? There is no way. But, you know, life is just a crazy ride. And we actually work very well together. We have very different styles, but that actually complements one another. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, his office is downstairs as mine is upstairs. So we, you know, we're not next to each other all day long. We need to have that separation. We do a lot of yelling back and forth across the house. Like, <laughs> Did you hear this? I need to talk to you. Um, but it's actually going very well. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. That's awesome because, you know, you need to be happy at work, not just with what you're doing, but who you're doing it with. So I love that. It's a great partnership. Yeah. In a general sense, what brings you joy on a daily basis? Several things. I find joy, one end, gratitude and thankfulness. I am so thankful for the life that I have with my family, my husband and my kids. They bring me constant joy. I am a person of faith. I am a Christian. And so I, I find gratitude in the little things and, and quite honestly, getting out of bed and feeling good. I am so thankful for that. I mean, you cannot take that for granted. I, you know, and I'm, I'm, don't always have great days. I, I will tell you the thing with Addison's disease is we do suffer greatly from fatigue. So 
if we overextend ourselves, we can take a step forward and then we take two steps back. So when I have energy filled days and I am feeling great, then that I uh, am so very thankful for. And the little things, like I said, just feeling good, but also just now after being stuck in the house for so long with the pandemic, just being out and being around people again, that and just normalcy, normalcy, I will say it's still not normal yet, but just having the little things that I am so thankful for. That gives me joy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm sure everybody can really relate to that. It is just nice to say hello to people. Last year, I wasn't walking at schools. And this year I'm able to go and see people face to face. And it's just a whole different experience. And although we're not hugging, (laughs) no hugs allowed, but at least you can see people and and stare at them in the face instead of through the screen. So yeah, I can, I can uh, tell you, I agree with that. Totally brings me joy. So, but okay. So with all the Addison's disease and you're trying to do all these great things for other people, how do you maintain that thriving mindset? You know, goodness, I've been diagnosed, what, six years. It's taken me a while to kind of get a groove. I, I'm very mindful of certain things. I'm very, I'm very in tune with my health. Like the littlest, some people like they'll have little things that happen and they don't pay any attention to. I'm on it. Like I get a, I feel a creak in my elbow. I'm listening to it. Like, where are we going with this? You know, I'm very (laughs) mindful of inputs and outputs and balancing. And, you know, the family knows mom has to rest between two and three. Like, that's my time. Like, I that's what I have to do in order to just settle my mind. I just have to get horizontal. I may not necessarily sleep, but I just need to have that time of, you know, just experiencing what it means. And I've changed my mindset too, when it comes to exercise. And this really made a big difference for me. I have never been one that has loved to exercise. That has just never been my jam. However, I heard this from somebody who is a nutrition coach and it's made all the difference for me. I used to think I have to exercise and I've changed it to, I get to exercise because before, especially with Addison's disease, you don't always feel great and you always don't have the energy to do that. So I was like, oh, I have to, I got to go do it. But now I'm like, I get to, because I feel like I can. And I, and I have the energy to do that. And that made all the difference for me. I bet. Right. So again and again, and people will be hearing this and go, I know what she's going to say. It's all about that mindset and getting that right. And what you said about the the two to three o'clock, right? It's like a mental resetting in the middle of the day. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Yeah. I wish that I had the ability to do that. I'm going to tell my boss I need to take a little time <laughs> under my desk. Well, you know what? Speaking from a recruiter perspective, you do have, I mean, you fall into that disability category, so they should be able to accommodate that. I mean, it, it, it's a simple thing. Just let you just have a 30 minute break just to just be. Now, I know it's not always feasible, but it is something that they should be able to provide for you. (laughs) And you're laughing because you're like, I don't think so, but it can be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It can be done for sure. When I, right now, it's kind of lovely because I'm traveling to different schools. So I have like a 15 minute break that I'm by myself between each place. Then I get to like decompress and and think a little bit, which is, which is nice. It, It makes a huge difference. I, yeah, I love that you do that. Do you have any other tips for the audience? 
My friends and I joke, water is always an option. You know, I never was one that drank water growing up. I, and I will tell you, I did not have a healthy st- lifestyle when I was growing up. And I, I've come a long way. People with Addison's are desperate for replacing liquids into our body and staying dehydration is a huge challenge for people who don't get in their daily water intake. So after diagnosis, my endocrinologist was like, Vanessa, you've just got to stay on top of that because I do not want to see you circling in and out of this hospital, getting IVs every six weeks because you're dehydrated. I was like, I'm on it because that's the last thing I want to do. So we always joke, my friends and I, especially when we um, go out for wine nights, my girlfriends, and we'll have a glass of wine and then we'll have a glass of water. You know, we got to make sure that we water is always an option. So stay hydrated. (laughs) Yeah, my friend, she drinks vodka, but she drinks vodka in water. So she thinks she's hydrating at the same time, which is... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I I agree with her. But you know, anyways, yeah, the water man, if I didn't drink water, uh, it would be a disaster. And I feel like I feel like soda is the gateway to diabetes. So I've stayed away from that for a long, long time. But man, you can get addicted to that stuff. And you feel so much better when you're hydrated. (laughs) And it just helps your skin. And don't we all want to have healthier looking skin? So (laughs) Yeah, it does help your skin a hundred percent. Yes, agreed. And plus you have that lovely glow all the time. And so you wouldn't want to break that up. Definitely not. (laughs) Do you have a movie quote? Well, we joke around here, you know, the other unfortunate part of having Addison's is that we take steroids to live, right? And so what's the wonderful side effect of steroids is that weight gain. So I call it being tan and fluffy. Like that's my motto. So from a movie from a few years ago, my husband and I joke about this quite often, is that she says in it, she's just one stomach flu away from reaching her goal weight. Now, <laughs> we joke about that sometimes. Now I'm going to have to watch this movie. What is it? It's The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, and I love that movie. And now I know who said it and all of that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I didn't realize Emily Blunt was in that movie. And when I watched it again more recently, I'm like, oh, my God, that's Emily Blunt. Thank you for sharing that with us. That was a really good one. Good job, you and your husband. That's hilarious. What is your favorite place on earth and what is its significance to you? I will tell it, but the secret is getting out. So I don't know if I want to share it. No, I'm kidding. My favorite place on earth is actually down near you. Well, past you a little bit down at Anna Maria Island in Florida. It is my happy place. So my husband actually had family who had a house on the island. And so he would visit it growing up. And his parent, his grandparents actually lived in Bradenton, which is very close to Anna Maria. And so when we got married, he wanted to start the tradition of us going down there in the summers. And it is the most, it's my little slice of heaven. We've been going there now. The kids, the kids grew up every summer. We would go down there and they, when they were little, they called it our beach because they knew no other beach besides the white sands of Anna Maria. And so every year that's our trip. That's my, that's where we really rejuvenate. That's where I just literally become a sloth and sit on the beach all day baking in the sun and reading a book. And I, I just absolutely love it. It's, I would, I, if I could live down there full time, I would. Cause I just, it's my, it's my, my place. 
Yes. And it's so darn relaxing, right? And that the water over there is beautiful and calm and there's not like crazy waves and you can just go lay in there. It's amazing. And the word is out, but it's amazing. If you get a chance, you should definitely give it a shot. It's a good spot. Yes. I understand why you want to keep it secret. So tell me, how do you inspire others to make the most out of their lives? Oh my goodness. That's, that's a great question. I, I think by speaking my truth, I I feel that if I have an opportunity to share my story, then in turn, I'm hoping that I can help others, especially in the autoimmune world. I, I, I speak to those that are struggling with getting a diagnosis and I, I walk through several people through the process and, and, and I warn them, I say, you know what, it's the average person takes about three years to get diagnosed with an autoimmune condition in this country. You have to trust your gut and that's, that's a big piece of it. And, and if I hadn't trusted my gut all those years ago to keep searching for answers, now mine was a little bit different because I didn't wind up in the hospital, but I knew something was wrong during that whole period. I keep encouraging others to just keep searching for answers and it's not an easy road. It's not going to happen overnight, but just trust the process or trust yourself. And if you feel like something's not right, then it usually isn't. And I will continue to do that, especially now as a disability advocate, just speaking out for others. And we're on a great turning point now, especially with the ADA and that amazing documentary that came out on Netflix called Crip Camp, it brought such uh, a spotlight to the disability community and how far we've come in such a short period of time. And I feel like the future is truly bright and companies and organizations are starting to recognize that when they're talking about inclusion in their workforces, it doesn't count unless you include the largest minority group in the world. And that's the disability community. And being able to share that is just truly important. And that's why you're on this show today, you Thriver. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing all this wonderful stuff with us today. I'm so glad to have met you. You're just, I, I, my face hurts from smiling. And that's what usually happens at the end of these shows because you guys are just incredible humans. And I'm blessed to um, be able to sit here and chat with you about this stuff. So please, please tell us where people can reach out to you and find you, not just for, for the work stuff, definitely, because people are going to need that, but also just to contact you in general. Well, thank you, Edie. It's just been such a pleasure. And right back at you there. You're a little rock star yourself. So thank you. People can find All Ability Recruiting at allabilityrecruiting.com. If you are someone that is currently employed and looking to change positions and you will fall into that disability category, and remember, disabilities are ever-ranging. 70% are invisible. So keeping that in mind. Uh, give us a shout out. And let us know what you're interested in. Send us your information. We're posting new jobs all the time because we're working with new clients. So keep checking our website. We're on Instagram and Facebook at All Ability Recruiting. And for my personal speaker page, it's Anessa Powell Speaker. It's just Anessa Powell on Instagram and Anessa Powell Speaker on Facebook. So would love to hear from you if something resonated with you from this podcast. I'd love to share more. 
Thank you so much, Anessa, for being here today. I know that people are going to reach out to you and, you know, there's, you never know what's going to happen in the trajectory of your life. So please write down Anessa's information or come back to this episode and listen again, because she is a great person to reach out to as an advocate and supporter of our community. Thank you so, so much. All you thrivers out there, please, <laughs> please take a look at our website, thrivingoversurviving.com. There are links on there to our Etsy page, Thriving O Surviving, so that you can purchase merch if you're interested in that. So, Anessa, thanks so much again for being here. Keep thriving. Oh, thank you so much. Such a pleasure. So much fun, too. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, my blog, and lots more. See you next time when we chat it up with another autoimmune warrior on the Thriving Over Surviving Podcast. Keep thriving. Keep thriving.